as you know, the carbon tax back in the headlines. Uh, Danielle Smith talking about it as recently as yesterday, saying that she may relitigate, uh, saying based on new information around, um, you know, soaring costs globally, the situation in Ukraine, all the rest. Um, and uh, there's a lot of talk about energy, natural resources, and how we do the job that we need to do in supplying that to ourselves and our allies without this uh, incredible increase in costs that we've seen. Um, and what our federal government needs to do to manage this file. And as you know, there's been a lot of pushback, not only in Alberta, but Saskatchewan coming out very strong on this issue yesterday too. So uh, Jonathan Wilkinson is joining us now, the Federal Natural Resources Minister and MP for North Vancouver. Uh, Minister Wilkinson, thank you for your time. I appreciate you joining us. Not at all. Thank you for having me. Uh, let's start with uh, Danielle Smith and what she was talking about yesterday, saying, you know, perhaps there's some new information that's emerged around the conversation surrounding carbon taxes. She talked about the situation in Ukraine, global instability, the soaring costs that we're all seeing and saying she thinks there's a case to reopen this, uh, relitigate it and perhaps get some relief. Do you agree? Is that something that you think she uh, should be pursuing? Well, I, I do think that, you know, some of the things that have happened globally, um, particularly as they relate to energy security, are important new developments that we need to be talking about and finding pathways to ensure Canada is a, a reliable source of, of, um, of energy um, to the world. But in terms of uh, the Supreme Court case itself, I would just say, you know, it, uh, I'm not I'm not going to opine on what judges you know will or will not do, but I simply would say that um, it would be very unusual for the Supreme Court to rehear a case it just decided. Um, the bar is pretty high, and, and I think rather than spending more money on litigating, I think it behooves us to actually get around the table and, and have a conversation about how we can work together. Um, to that end, uh, the the federal conservatives raising something in the House quite recently, and a lot of Canadians talking about it as well, we're seeing soaring cost of living, a lot of it around energy. We all know what's going on with gas prices. The list goes on. Uh, we see provinces stepping up with rebates, with gas tax relief, all these sorts of things. The federal government to this point has not done any of that. Uh, there's been, you know, some GST things. But when it comes to energy, when it comes to those costs that Canadians are bearing right now, there's talk about why not pulling the carbon tax for a while while we're in this inflationary period? Nothing from the federal government. Should you be doing more? Well, issues around affordability are very important. I agree with you. And there are a number of ways to go about addressing them. Um, you, you touched on one of the ones that the federal government has looked at and, and has been in the process of implementing, which is doubling the GST tax credit, um, also providing a payment to low-income renters. So addressing the, the affordability challenge that inflation brings, particularly for people who live on modest incomes, that's very important. Um, but obviously, on a go-forward basis, um, you know, the, the carbon price, I think it's important for folks to understand that where the federal system is in place, and that is true in Alberta with respect to the, uh, to the retail price, people get more money directly in their pockets than what they pay. And so that, that is not a cause of affordability issues. That is actually, in, in, for modest people who live on modest incomes, they actually get more money back. So it actually would cause more of an affordability issue if, in fact, you got rid of the price on pollution. And, of course... Climate change hasn't gone away. We need to ensure that we're doing things to address affordability issues, to address energy security issues, but we also have to address the the threat that climate change poses to our children. Um, And I think we've got a situation where... um the aspiration and, 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 you know, what the laudable goals of addressing climate change have run into a bit of a reality, and there's a gap there. Um, The leader of Germany, of course, was in Canada last month making a case that, you know, more Canadian energy would be very, very welcome in Europe. Um, Prime Minister Trudeau was asked about it. He said there's no business case. To me, that was the business case. You've got the Prime Minister of Germany here saying we need more of your energy. Um, What's going on with that front? What's your take on how Canada can step in and help in Europe? 
Well, Canada can step in and help in Europe, and in fact, it already has been. I mean, one of the first things we did was um, make a commitment to increase production by 300,000 barrels a day by the end of this year to uh, to help to ensure that we were providing supply onto world markets to help our friends in Europe. Um, as you probably know, the LNG Canada facility, which is a very large liquid natural gas facility, will be up and running in 2024, and that will provide more supply into the world market, which again will help our friends in Europe. Um, with respect to East Coast LNG, I mean, I think the one thing that folks need to understand, and you can ask the pipeline companies that are based in Calgary, the, the, the biggest challenge there is shipping the gas from Alberta to New Brunswick mm-hmm. um, and the associated upgrades to pipelines that are required to meet the window that Germany has set, which is about three years they want to have displaced all of the Russian gas, um, is very challenging. And at the end of the day, um, the Germans would need to be willing to pay a premium for that. It's, it's going to be more expensive than gas that could be sourced from, from, uh, from the Gulf. So that is a conversation that continues with the Germans. Um, it's not over by any stretch. We have been working very hard. I talk to my German counterpart all the time. We are very interested in helping our, our German friends, and we have been working very hard to ensure that we're doing everything we can to do so. Um, Christian Freeland yesterday, uh, speaking at the Brookings Institute, was talking about this as well and talking about Canada's involvement in uh, what she calls friendshoring, uh, a concept, you know, allies supporting each other, building uh, bulletproof supply chains and, and energy independence among our allies. And this is what she had to say. Canada must and will show similar generosity in fast tracking, for example, the energy and mining projects our allies need to heat their homes and to manufacture electric vehicles. So what does that look like? What, what, what are we talking about here? Aside from the plant that you talked about that might be running in two or three years, what are we doing to fast track? What projects are underway? What's, what, what don't we know about? We're doing quite a number of things to fast track. One of them is we've established these uh, energy and resource tables that actually are going to be taking place in every province and territory. They're looking at some of the major areas of economic opportunity going forward. But one of the key things that we are focused on with respect to those tables is aligning permitting and regulatory processes, finding a way to go faster with respect to projects that provinces and the federal government agree are strategic going forward. So that is something that we've launched with a number of provinces. We will be launching with a number of other provinces this week, and we will then be launching with the remaining provinces uh, hopefully over the next few months. Um, but certainly that is part of it. I would also say that we are looking at options in terms of um, identifying those projects that are most strategic and, and trying to establish mechanisms to actually move those forward more quickly. That's not novel. I mean, the, the, uh, the recent U.S. Inflation Reduction Act had a similar provision with respect to identifying 25 strategic projects and finding ways to move them more quickly. But, I mean, we're all the Americans, the Europeans, the, the Australians, we're all looking to find ways to ensure that we are friend-shoring, that we are putting ourselves into a position that we are not dependent on uh, less friendly regimes. I mean, the best the best example of that these days is critical minerals and the dependence that, that right now many have on China. We need to ensure that we have sources of supply that are reliable and robust going forward. I would say that even more than the critical minerals, uh, especially if you're in Germany or the UK or Europe going into the winter months dependent on Russian oil and gas, that might be the bigger issue right now. And um, do you see the disconnect here with the fact that we have these massive reserves of natural gas? We want to help, but we're not in a position to do so because of the way that we've handled infrastructure in this country and uh, the detriment that we find ourselves in. I mean, you've got the government of Saskatchewan uh, coming out with a policy paper to try and protect their industry. 
to the tune of a billion dollars a year or $10 billion a year. Uh, you know what's going on with Alberta and the Sovereignty Act pushing back against Ottawa. Um, there's a disconnect there. Uh, the provinces that have these resources are saying, we would like to sell them, we would like to, but they point the finger at you saying they can't. Well, I mean, first of all, I agree with you in terms of Germany and the dependence, and I think that's kind of the point I was making, which is nobody wants to be in the situation that Germany finds itself in by becoming so dependent on Russian oil and gas, and, and that's where it relates to China and critical minerals, etc. But, but in terms of um, uh, moving our resources to market, it is important that we are able to move our resources to market in a sustainable way. It's important for us to do that within a frame that, that addresses and acknowledges the reality of climate change. But yes, we need to be able to move faster. And to be honest with you, that's, that's exactly why the Impact Assessment Act was developed and put into place. I mean, you know, there are times where folks say, oh, well, there were 14 LNG projects in British Columbia that have been proposed, and only one, uh, and actually now two, are in the process of moving ahead. Well, well that's actually true, but they were all reviewed under Stephen Harper's um, impact, uh, environmental assessment process, which just did not work. And so this new process is intended to ensure that good projects can be built in a manner that is consistent with environmental sustainability, is consistent with discharging our obligations to Indigenous peoples, but good projects can move ahead in a thoughtful way. That's exactly what this is intended to do. In in, in regards to the relations with the province, uh, clear, would, you, would you concede that there needs to be some work there when you've got Alberta and Saskatchewan both coming out with these you know, more sovereign stances, however you want to characterize it. You know what it's about basically saying the relationship that they have with you and with Ottawa just doesn't work anymore. Well, I, I, I certainly agree that the Federation works best when we can actually find ways to collaborate. There is no question. Um, and, you know, as somebody who grew up in Saskatchewan, who <laughs> worked for the government of Saskatchewan, um, I, I feel very close to some of the angst that is felt on the part of Saskatchewanians and Albertans. Um, I think it's important that we are leaning forward to try to ensure that we're engaging in a productive way. I have certainly endeavored to do so over the course of uh, of the period of time that I've been in public office. Um, and, and I will tell you that my relationship with, with Minister Savage and before that with Minister Nixon was actually a very productive one. But clearly we need to continue to talk and we need mm-hmm. to find ways to actually move forward. That's, to be honest, what these regional tables were about was saying to Alberta, you know, what are your priorities from a, from a go-forward perspective in terms of the economic opportunities that exist as we move towards a future that globally is going to have to be lower carbon? And how do we actually work together on that? That's exactly the offer that, that we are making to, uh, to Alberta is how do we work together in a way that can be collaborative and can benefit Albertans? I think we would all like to see that. Uh, Minister Wilkinson, unfortunately, I'm out of time, but I do thank you for joining us today. Not at all. Thanks. Uh, thanks for the time. That is Jonathan Wilkinson, the Federal Natural Resources Minister and the MP for North Vancouver. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.